Something. We're hot. We skip. All right. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP FM, and you are listening to the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry. My name is Mark Allen Derry. That's Doc Griggs right Good there. Good morning. WHIV is the only community radio station in the city, if not maybe even the country, that's dedicated to human rights and social justice. Doc Riggs just took my script. <laughs> uh, thank you. Other one. Consider, yes, this is this is yours right here. Oh, boy. this is uh, We haven't done radio in two weeks. It's not like either one of us are professional broadcasters and we still can't get this right. Get checked, get fit, get moving. Consider becoming a member of WHIV by setting up monthly donations of any amount that you wish. That could be a dollar, five dollars, whatever you can do to help or make a one-time donation. All donations and monies that come to WHIV are tax deductible, so it helps you out uh, as well. We have some new swag on our, our uh, on our website, and you can check that out at whivfm.org and click store, or you can click donate. Thank you so much for supporting WHIV. We are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station. End all wars. Doc Griggs? 
Good morning, good morning, good morning. I just left another radio station just off WBOK. We were talking about uh, minority. This is stroke month. Uh, strokes in uh, minorities, but strokes in general are a real issue. People don't Were understand. Were you going to read that? Yeah, I'm going to read it. Okay. Right. <laughs> People don't understand that uh, hypertension is a silent disease. Uh, now for my read once an hour. Preventing <laughs> HIV is easy. Get prepped. You can get free HIV testing at any Access Health location. Plus, same-day primary care appointments are always available. Access Health is a new location in downtown New Orleans, the Pythian Building, where individuals are, uh, may be seen for a diagnosis and treatment of HIV, STIs, and PrEP. Plus, all Access Health Louisiana patients qualify for discounted medications through their pharmacy. More information is available at accesshealthla.org. That's accesshealthla.org. All right. So, how are I'm, I'm curious. How are things at WBOK? Uh, things are good. Things are good. Are they uh, this morning? Are they back up and running or what? We're business as usual this morning. Uh, we had, a, like I said, we had our morning segment today on a. Uh, on Whose we show were you on? Hypertension and chronic diseases. Oliver Thomas. Uh huh. So Oliver Thomas is is staying and and uh, dude. Okay. Dude. <laughs> get checked. Get fit. Get moving. Welcome with Doc, Doc Griggs and Doctor Derry. Let's keep it moving. Right. So, H-I-W. what are we talking about today? What's on the agenda? No, we were talking just talking about heat stroke. The uh, the this whole thing with uh, man, I had golly, some someone else passed away unexpectedly from a heart attack that's in their fifties. Like it's just like it's. I don't know if there's an epidemic yeah, of, well, of heart attacks and strokes. Well, I, I mean, I'll tell you what I think it is, uh, and, and there's clear data to show this that as the as uh, the um, economic downturns and uh, income fluctuations increases mm-hmm. the risk of uh, thrombo uh, thrombogenic events. So I think that, that there's a lot of stress that's involved with that. So I think as we see more of of uh, the uh, income inequalities that we've been seeing. Um, I think that it's no surprise that we would also see uh, some changes uh, as well. well so. but, but what's interesting is the trend. So I just got back from Pittsburgh at the American College of Preventative Medicine. And what we've been given, we just secured a grant, one of six sites in the country, to secure a grant on tackling specifically uh, hypertension in African-American males. Um, the trend at the CDC has been to go uh, target young, younger audiences because the prevalence in younger demographics has started to increase. Uh, whereas before we were concentrating on people ages 50, 65, uh, as even as young as 45, the focus group, the, the, the number now is age 35. Uh, what they're trying to figure out is why. Uh, and a large part of it has sadly to do with that we talked about at the, the conference, sadly to do with this evolution in technology, the isolation uh, that we've been experiencing as a consequence of it, uh, we've become the generation of loneliness. Uh, we're everything that things that we used to do that required cardiovascular exercise, um, we can do with the push of a button these days. So we're a lot less physically active. We're eating a lot more unhealthy. Last week on Fox, I did a story about the difference between eating ultra processed foods versus natural foods. Ultra processed foods are the foods uh, that are in the middle aisles, and the foods at the fast food restaurants. Um, <clears throat> Part of the reason that they what they found, and it was a small study, but they found that the the subjects that ate the ultra processed foods for two weeks tended to gain and eat an extra five hundred pounds a day, five hundred calories, five hundred calories, and they gained an extra two pounds in that two weeks, which makes sense because it only takes five hundred calories a day extra for seven days to get thirty five hundred, which equals a pound. Um, a lot of it had to do con- with the consistency of the processed foods; it makes them easier to eat, so you tend to eat more than uh, than you think you would, and 
just it's just sad. As, it's, as I said, it's, 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 it's it, everything. It is. It it's is. It's everything. That the fact that, that this is the food that Americans are fed, uh, you know, and then we wonder why people are so unhealthy. And, and sometimes when my colleagues say some comments about where they're shifting the blame of either obesity or or if um, diabetes or what have you, you know, I just remind them that this is shifting the blame to who. Uh, you know, like, you know, you know the way it is, the way the docs can sometimes either like be like, oh, you know, you just need to lose more weight or yeah. some, you know, there's a lot of blaming the victim sort of mentality. I find that um, that uh, medicine and American medicine uh, tends to uh, tends to practice. Yeah. So I oftentimes will remind my colleagues that that the foods that especially the populations that that I serve. The foods, uh, particularly, are incredibly unhealthy, and are you know. But this is the cheapest food that's available. And so, when you've got when you're taking care of people that are living at seven fifty seven fifty seven dollars and fifty cents, you know, an hour, what, what you know after rent? You, did you read this the story that no American city can now sustain? Now rents are so high in every American major American city that no. A family cannot sustain on a minimum wage job alone now yeah, and I live did, in. I saw that blurb pass through. That is right. very believable. And then also, there's also there was another study also that kind of re that reaffirmed a study from a year ago that's now like fifty percent uh, Americans cannot sustain a four hundred dollar emergency. And so, yeah. like it, it's it's getting. I I don't know. I like the the framers of the establishment or the folks that think through the larger pictures of the system, either are not seeing the big picture or are choosing to ignore it. But the way and the path that things are moving are not one in which is going to create better health. In individuals, where where wages are stagnating, we're forcing people to to eat less healthy foods, and over the long period of time, that's going to be negative ramifications in terms of the healthcare because those healthcare uh, costs are going to ultimately be shifted to society. So that all goes back to the whole social determinants of health model. It's a it's yes. a buzzword and term that we've been using for the last three four years. Yes, or so. At uh, first, again, it was health equity and then people didn't kind of get it they were trying to what does that mean equal health for all that's great but social what affects someone's health is their environment and everything that affects them uh food deserts the availability of affordable healthy foods the availability of jobs the safety of their environments the educational system um that surrounds them uh it, it all affects the policies actually that it all affects uh someone's general General health. Uh, back when we had simpler times, um, and we'll say less processed foods, and people more grew, grew more foods in their gardens, and there was less politics, and there was less this. Less, there was we were healthier times. People tended to to intended to be healthy and, and live live longer. I, I was just saying on the show earlier that we are fast approaching. If we're not here, the first generation of adults that are predict predicted to outlive their kids. Uh, if you look at the ages of diabetes of chronic diseases like diabetes type two. Uh, it's going down in kids. Kids are being diagnosed with diabetes type type two. The difference between type one and type two. Type one is typically uh, inherited. It's an insulin deficiency. You can't make insulin to keep up with the sugar. Sugar, and it's something that it's 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 less lifestyle dependent than it's, type it's two. Genetic. It's genetic. It, yeah, it, right. It's less lifestyle. It's it, right. Right. T- type two. There's a genetic component, but it's 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 a there's a lifestyle. You it's can acquired. actually manage. It's, a, it's acquired. You can acquire. It's it's uh, epigenetic. Um, the fact that our kids are coming down, being, are being diagnosed at earlier ages with type two diabetics is a statement on the society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, no, no, no. And that's exactly what what I 
that's exactly the point that I'm making. It is a statement on society, and uh, it, it, and it's one that I, I, you know, we come here and we talk about it every week, and it's 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 so frustrating. I, I, tell me more about the conference that you were at. So we were off air last week, obviously, because uh, Doc Griggs was was at a conference. Yeah, we're in Pittsburgh. It's the American College of uh, Preventative Medicine. It's amazing. There were like 600 people there, and it's a growing industry. What I'm finding is. The place that I've been living for the past 10, 12, 15 years starting to be populated now. they got people in other aspects of medicine that are leaving to come and understand that the answer is really on the prevention side. Absolutely. The big right. answer is on the prevention side. And what the stuff that I'm doing with the kids uh, that come through uh, my foundation, I try to give them a preventative medicine, community medicine lens before they go into anything else. So they can understand that, that I mean, it, it, it's a blend of your, what happens now with, with the pre- preventative medicine. You do a year of internship. Or transitional year where you rotate through and after medical school, after med school, and then you get your MPH, your master's in public health, um, and you start dealing with the things, the things that I talk about all the time: people, policy, and practice. Policies dictate funding. Policies, policies dictate practice. But you have to get involved, and you have to have a say so in it. The beauty of marrying that with the public health piece is that that brings the data, the population health, the community health data, um, to help, to help, to help, help help fortify and and back up everything that the the, the policies are based on. Um, so there was everything. I mean, they there were there were workshops about STEM, uh, and they had a STEM 3D, in, what STEM in medicine. Oh or? yeah, three D yeah the three D three D printing. Um, you name it, they had it. I mean, anything that you could think of. I mean, it was it was it was great to be around like minded uh, individuals for those days I was there. Right. And uh, do you see any policies or anything? Thank you. Do you see anything coming down the line of potential policies or could you get it? Like, was there a Medicare for all sentiment that we, you say was there? Or, or, like, didn't talk much it? of the Medicare for all stuff. Like, what, like if you were to kind of pull one of these things and kind of put your finger in the air and see what the, where the winds were blowing, what was the general, the, I mean, the, what did the preventative medicine folks The mean? preventative medicine folks are generally talking about getting more out into the community and doing the non-traditional stuff that you don't really think about. Stuff that medical, you've been doing. That, exactly. Um, like, I, like I said, it's great. The, this whole grant thing is for it. There's an acknowledgement that what we've been doing has not worked. It doesn't okay, work. Okay. Well, good. Is an acknowledgement. The, the, and, and, and the and to be clear, what is it? What is the that the the, the this that health, hasn't he, been health healthcare from the ivory tower down to the people? It hasn't worked. You have to go out into the community, see what the problems are in the community. Instead of putting the band aid on it and treating someone for hypertension, why are you stressed? What are you? What what's stressing you? Like. So did you lose your job? What's the, what is the what's the give me the demographics and give me the give me a, the stats of your area. Where's your grocery store? Um, what type of job do you have? We were in Pittsburgh and they were in Pittsburgh. They talked about how uh, steel industry, the steel industry, how it just went. Boom. Right. So I was to- actually I was there when that I was doing my residency in Cleveland and I saw the tail end of, of that. You know, Cleveland and Pittsburgh are separated by like two hours whatever, or right, whatever. Right, it's right. like here, Baton Rouge sort of thing. Right. So the what happened in Pittsburgh, same thing happened in Cleveland. And that was that uh, in the 90s uh, with NAFTA, you started mm-hmm. to seal you started to see jobs shift away. And in fact, one of the biggest steel plants in the in Ohio, maybe even in the U.S., was right across the street from the hospital, which was Cleveland Metropolitan Hospital. It was like the charity for, for mm-hmm. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's the, probably the second oldest hospital in the country, next to Charity being the oldest. Uh, but it was right across the street from a huge steel mill mm-hmm. that while I was there over the three years I was doing my residency, yep. I could see activity 
be like people would be like, well, it's not as busy as it used to be. And when I left, they're like, well, steel steel mill shut it's shut down. Like, yeah. Yeah. and that was like a huge element. Those were union like middle class like that was the foundation the bedrock no and no pun intended hang on before you say anything of 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 u.s society if you're just tuning in you are listening to the get check get fake get moving show with doc griggs and dr Derry. i'm doc griggs that's doctor that's doc i'm sorry i'm dr Derry. <laughs> oh boy uh he is more handsome and he has better hair than i do but i, I am zero, definitely which i have zero so like, <laughs> that just negates that whole statement the no hypothesis <laughs> That there is no difference. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no, no. So <laughs> what it really kind of just, it just put right in my face, just listening to the mayor as he spoke about Pittsburgh and its history. Um, when that happened, they went back and they did what they know how to do, which is work. Uh, so they had to retrain and they had to find jobs. They're in their middle ages and they're trying to learn, okay, I go back to school. And then they're competing in a market with younger folks, but they survived and now they're almost, they're thriving. Um, it just showed that the trust that they put in as, as healthcare professionals, you do your job and let us outdo our job. Uh, they talked about how you can't see a bridge or a railroad or whatever Pittsburgh built, built, build America. You can't, they're salt to the earth people. They know how to work. They're smart, but they're hardworking um, and they're going to do their job. Our job as healthcare professionals is to take care of everyone else so they can do their job. My job is to make sure people understand and know what it is they can do for themselves and know what questions to ask when they come in and to be in the policy rooms to have a, a voice for the people while they're doing their job so they can they can do what they need to do. That's that's our job. That's our job. Your job, you actually take care of people. You see people. That's our job. So it's that important for us not to miss a step because people are going to be resilient and people are going to find a way. I mean, we're in New Orleans. I was here when we got wiped out, you know, and we're back. We're on a radio station that wasn't here before. Um, people are going to life will find a way. But our job is to keep keep people trending in the healthy direction. And that's an acknowledgement of all the factors that affect people while they do their jobs and they live. So you have to, that the way of medicine is going towards prevention and technology. So one of the things, um, and of course I agree with everything that you just said, of course, Eric, but one of the things that we have found is that, uh, right now our healthcare system is dictated by the whims of third party payers. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to get third party payers to approve of preventative measures, uh, getting an annual dental check or getting eye, eye care, getting, uh, uh, getting vaccines, uh, getting, you know, regular GYN exams or sometimes difficult. Pre preventing, uh, pregnancies through the use of contraceptives is difficult. It, 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 it's good that the physicians are talking about it, but right now the way our system is set up, which is not one that is, and I, and I just putting my bias on the table, I strongly, strongly support a Medicare for all program because mm -hmm. I strongly believe the government should be helping to run, if not run medical policies, because I believe those policies will be dictated for the good of the people. Mm -hmm. You would see a shift if the government were to take over healthcare, you would see a strong shift toward preventative because it would be in the, uh, it would be beneficial for the government to have, 
have uh, or some governing body that we can vote in and out that would have accountability and transparency to move populations toward preventative issues because all you as you know this a majority of the money like 75% of healthcare dollars are spent on like the last like 3 months of most people's lives or right. isn't this some crazy statistic like that yeah yeah it's so 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 yeah that, and that's the trend that i mean you, you can't get away from it the more that people are starting to become self aware of what they can do for themselves prevention uh, your uh, rates of absenteeism and presenteeism presenteeism was when you're at work you're actually sick and you should be uh at home oh, i didn't know that yeah okay, absenteeism, good. Thank you. Presenteeism. so that, that's one of the things so i did that with the cdc a while back uh i'm a worksite wellness expert i took that training it was nine months to learn all those terms and all that other stuff the bottom line is the healthier people are on the front end the less you have to spend on the back end yes for, of course uh, if you give everybody a bunch of flu shots you don't have to worry about people, the flu. People aren't going to be Period. taking off from flu. Period. But right. the, the, the only way that comes about, again, if you go back to, again, I always talk about three Ps of community medicine, people, policy, practice. That's a policy thing. Um, and that's advocating and being a, a voice in the room to speak up for the people um, to, to, so they can better protect themselves. Because right now, I can honestly say a lot, of, a lot of things don't necessarily have the common man uh, or woman uh, in mind. Uh, and, and again, again, that comes with understanding, uh, understand, uh, from what I hear and understand your, 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 you use your 12 minutes a little differently than most, most people only spend 12 minutes with their doctor with only four minutes of actual study show about four minutes of interaction without, with their healthcare provider. Um, there's no way, there's no way that anyone can tell you what you need to do for the next year. If you have an annual visit in, in four minutes, I don't care if you, that's, you call it a personal bias. I don't care if you call it artificial intelligence. I don't care if you call it telemedicine. No, it's you it's unreal. Video, You're not, it's four not, minutes. Right. It's not, there's, there's no, no way human interaction. That that's not the way. You that's know. not the way it was supposed to be set up. That's not right. why any, any, any of us went into, went to go to med school and right. spend four minutes with someone. And they tell you everything that their blood pressure is 210 over 190. Okay, you're going to the hospital. Okay, what happened? Your blood pressure's out. What is that? I'm sorry, you're at 402. You got to go. <laughs> That's not unlike here. I'm actually looking, I'm looking at my schedule right now to see what it looks like because uh, it's not like that for me. Uh, and, you no, know, that was. So I've heard. I've right. heard glowing reviews, actually. Thank you. I, I <laughs> was very, yeah. So, I mean, I have a packed schedule, but it's all in a very, you know, it's shifted around in a manner that's actually benefits patient right and, and but and that's that's what it's about but again and but i'm lucky that way and i understand that some of my colleagues don't have the luxury. same luxury or privilege or leverage that that that, that i have right. but all all appointments are half hour right well and it, it, it it's just time with people people the body generally will heal itself, but people help people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for most things. Just yeah, not everything. Most if you just right. kind of leave it alone and do what the body tells you that it needs, it'll kind of take care of itself. <laughs> now, as far as needing help, that comes from human interaction. There was a study out 10, 15 years ago. They said that uh, one touch, when your doctor touches, every time he touches you, it's in, it, in your mind, you, it's 15 minutes. Right. When they did the study, 15 minutes. You might have only seen him for a half hour, but I was with Dr. Derek for two hours. Right. No, that's true. He shook that's my true. hand. He touched my hand. He, he actually, you want to feel like you did something. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> it's no. a virus. Okay, I get it's a virus, but do something. Right, right, right. No, you're absolutely <laughs> no. right. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a human-to-human interaction. And that this whole prevention thing, um, it's about, I mean, it was kind of a head crack. Like, just seeing all the, wow, wow, wow. Like, it's like the book Jonathan Livingston Seagull as he kept flying and to the different 
levels of uh, of uh, God. You're bringing me back to my college Dude, days. I, I read that book every every D. ten years. I read it. I D. still read. It. I still have them. I have the updated version. But every time it gets to the next level of uh, uh, self awareness, uh, there's other seagulls there, and it's always amazed, like wow. Wow, and it's not a big deal that he can do all these tricks because they can do it too, and they're always trying to seek the next level of enlightenment to go back to help others, and that's exactly what I just kind of see us as uh, what we're doing. It gets lonely sometimes, yeah, and people think you're crazy sometimes because <laughs> you're talking about stuff. So, did you did you talk at the conference at all? Or no, no, yeah, well, I did in our meeting. Like we had, a, like I said, we have our innovation meeting. Um, I met with the other five uh, five. Uh, grant awardees. Um, we talked about different things they're doing. What's the grant again? The grant is th- this grant is specifically for addressing hypertension in African American males. Um, that's the demographic is that at the in at most risk. Uh, in the is this through Doc Riggs or is through Access? Or? Uh, it's through both. Got it. Okay. Was this through Access? Got it. So they're both, but this is the thing through Access. That's the. Some they're give, passing out blood pressure cuffs and stuff. Or? Well, this is that's going to be part of it. What we're doing is we're coming up with the innovation side of it. It's like a pilot for like two years, and then once what's the prove, innovation proof side? Of concept, what's that? What is it? The 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 grant. Yeah, the thing yeah. That we're well, doing, you're the innovation. Inc- well, the innovation is self monitoring. It's a smart program. Um, uh, self monitoring will incorporate the churches and I mean the barbershops and uh, so one of the social aid and pleasure clubs doing the stuff that is that I do, but actually educating them. Really educating them and monitoring them and adding, really just kind of giving them a system to go about. So, are you having to recruit? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, yeah we're uh, going to be recruiting. We're going to be recruiting from within our database, our right. however thousand AHL, pay, yeah, uh-huh. HL, and then at the different barbershops. I only need thirty for the first year because it's again, it's the pilot. Got it. Um, and then once we pilot it out, we build. So, I mean, is this our? Is, I mean, is this something you can announce on air right now? Or are you ready to? Uh, start? No, we're not going to announce it, it just yet because okay. I want to really a full blown, boom, Got it. attack with it uh, in house because I have to train some of our in house staff, our, our our colleagues, right, on how to deal with it. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that was one of the Good things that, that. <laughs> to talk about, right? Because we we talk about um, prevention, right? I don't know what world we've evolved to, and I won't say devolved, but that's what I think, uh, where preventative medicine and prevention... I I can answer that question. Well, prevention tips have have become another thing to do. I I just don't... I can't... It's hard for me to really comprehend like so you're telling your patient to eat healthy and what to eat and to take a walk and to drink water and to sit down and talk about their lifestyle i mean when you would do the the social social history you get everything and you address everything are you still smoking why are you still smoking right you know there's a program for you not to smoke right how are we doing this month with smoke even though you might be there for your gallbladder <laughs> everything affects everything else but the fact that it's so pointed and targeted it's like a, a click of a button and then out comes a prescription that is that's the way I heard it described. And like that's just that's not that's not that's not medicine. That's not what we should be doing. Yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot there. I mean, of course, this is uh, you know my my views on this is, is skewed greatly in the uh, from the bias of healthcare for all and 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 health equity. Mm-hmm. So when you take a step back and look at our system, uh, the system is not doesn't. You know, we have a profits. We have a, we have a profit based medical system, and that's just the bottom line. Yeah. And when you look at uh, incentives in a profit based medical system, the incentives are always going to be to do 
stuff, not to prevent things from happening. Mm-hmm. And that's that's essentially so it's it, the, the, the system will uh, will reward you for taking out a gallbladder rather than avoiding the issues that get you to uh, that have that gallbladder Removed. taking out. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and that's a much, much bigger macro uh, issue. And, and, and again, when I so when you look at my patients, right, so I'm hep C and HIV doctor, right? And, and I also want to uh, maybe at one point we can turn the corner and, and also recognize that it's hep C awareness month. It's Hepatitis Awareness so Month. Talk about that Hep so, A outbreak. Yeah, the Hep A outbreak that's happening right now, as well as the the Hep C stuff that's happening as well. Um, uh, so uh, when we uh, uh, when we think about uh, the the system that we're in, and and you know, like I, we were just talking about a minute ago, that um, for a uh, for we have a vaccine that can actually prevent cancer. That yep. vaccine is is the HPV vaccine, but. That vaccine is so expensive; it's it's cost mm-hmm. prohibitive for people. And so, when you think about again, my my patients, my patients that are Hep C and HIV uh, uh, folks, these are folks that are living mostly on the margins of society, mm-hmm. right? And we're seeing more and more people moving into that margin of society. There was just an article over the weekend showing homelessness is increasing in New Orleans, and what we're seeing is we're not seeing the standard homeless folks anymore. We're not seeing people with mental health issues. We're not seeing uh, folks that are uh, uh, tragic addicted to alcohol and drugs what we're actually seeing are people who just can't afford to mm-hmm. live in a home anymore mm-hmm. and that they're fully employed right so these are not what our typical stereotypes or generalizations of people who are homeless typically are but again when you look at my people the people that I serve selling drugs selling sex for money uh, or for rent or for utilities or kind of doing you know these so-called side hustles or just hustles altogether like that's just the way of life and mm-hmm. so for me to be able to like comment on that mm-hmm. do you know what I'm saying I mean mm-hmm. it's hard for me and I know that the work that they're doing to stay alive is putting them at risk I think one of the reasons why they like coming to see me as a doctor is that I don't fuss them for some of the things that happen because I know that that it's a struggle to live. I, right. I'm very lucky as a white male <laughs> physician and the privilege society has given to me, but it's hard for me to make comments like that or to 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 tell my patients again, well, you need to have better, you know, smoking is the one thing that I fuss everybody over because yeah, yeah, smoking yeah, yeah. and yeah, HIV yeah. is yeah, not, yeah, yeah. that's like, that's that'll yeah. kill you right yeah. on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. But to make comments about other things about like, do you know what I'm saying? It's just oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. our society has set up a situation. I mean, did, there was a study that just showed that like you're seeing more and more doctors that are retiring from medicine because of the social determinants of, of health, because they are unable to they make feel, the changes. They feel helpless. Because the system is creating the problems that we have right now. Mm-hmm. And if you're just tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is the Get Check, Get Fake, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry. I'm Dr. Derry. That's Doc Griggs. Yeah. So no, no, no. I, I, I was just chiming in, just thinking about that. They are. They, you almost. They feel helpless to the, the system. Uh, you're going to tell someone who. Yes, that's exactly. It. How do you eat better when you're living at seven fifteen dollar seven fifty an hour? Like you have to eat whatever food is available. Is available. And how do you live in a better condition when you can only live in whatever situation you can live in and, and feed your children and 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 continue to put food on the table? And if you know, how can we tell people to get more active? You know, lux- you know, you know what's a luxury and a privilege in society? Exercise. Right. Think about that. 
Yeah. That's that's a luxury in society. Yeah. And when doctors are like, well, you know, that person, you know, their BMI is 35. <sighs> they need to be out there working more. I, I literally will stop them in the middle of their sentence and correct them mm-hmm. and be like, ask yourself why the BMI is 35. Is it because they just sit around on the sofa all day eating junk food? Or is society has put people in a situation where that's where they're at? Most people don't want that to actually be the case. There are some, genetical, some genetic reasons why that may be the case. But we have to move away from shifting the responsibility of some of these health outcomes on patients and move it onto the system because it's the system that's creating this. It's not the individual patients. So what do you tell some someone though? That's the thing though. So right. So ideally you do want someone as I, you really made me think about that. So you're talking about someone that's living in the fringe um, and surviving. They're not nefarious. They're not trying to do anything bad to anyone. They're just trying to get by and live. And their BMI supposedly is over 30. Right, which is considered obese, and we need to tell them I to lose, never to, fuss to, them. To, never. To lose weight. So, what are you supposed to do? Tell them. So, I know you're homeless. So, what I need you to do is take 30 minutes away from right. being homeless right. and go right. for that's, go over to the park right. and that's, take a walk. Um, no, that's complete. That makes absolutely no, no sense. No, it's the, the thing that like, the, here are the things that are for me at least in terms of the HIV side. The things that are important is that they take their medications every day and they come, they see me regularly to make sure that their viral load is undetectable. If I can, if I can make sure just that is done, yeah. then I will try to work along the other things. You know, but this is, these are long term relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So these are you know people that I've known for years that will allow me to eventually approach their hypertension or mm-hmm. will hear me to speak about the alcohol I'm not the alcohol issue the uh, tobacco issue or that will finally hear me about the diabetes stuff but when it comes to diabetes or cholesterol or hypertension when we're looking at the patients that I particularly serve Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to say don't eat a canned soup every day because if that's the only thing you can afford to eat, that's, and it. that's it. But what does canned soup have a lot of? Sodium. Sodium. So are we surprised that they're hypertensive? No, we're not. Not at all. And, and again, it, it, it just it makes for very difficult to be a conscientious physician like the two of us are. Yeah. But to have those conversations are somewhat difficult. And this is why I get pissed at the system because it's the system that's creating this monster. It's not, it's not the people. It's not the patients that I'm treating. So, But what the twist is on it, and that's, I, guess, I guess that's the lane that I fall into, is that the twist is that when you make people aware, it's just like so, – have you ever had the water conversation with folks? No. Uh, people are like, oh, oh gosh, how much, how much water do I have to drink? Oh, do I have to drink eight oh, gallons no. and da-da-da? I'm like, so, so, my patients are like struggling to like, right. you know, so, live so, day to day. So what do you do is, what do you do? It's, it's like playing a game of chess, right? So rather than focus on what you took, in order for me to, to win, to stand a chance, I need to focus on what I have. I have to focus on, you just took my queen? Fine. Well, let's just focus on the pawns, the rooks, the bishops that I have. To, to So if you tell people that the water in, you're going to, I know you can only afford cold drinks. It's, it's, it's cheaper to buy, for you to buy a cold drink than it is a bottle of water. Yeah. And <laughs> which that, is which, nuts. Again, that, and that brings up, that's why it's cheaper to, to feed your family at McDonald's yep. for like seven bucks yep. than it is to go and buy broccoli. A head of broccoli and some cauliflower will probably cost you $10. Right. But $10 plus the time it takes, where are you going to cook it? Mm-hmm. How are you going to cook it? Are you going to cook it right? Especially when we're talking you, about our homeless if people. If you're yes. worried about overcooking versus... But so here's the thing. What, what you do is the way you empower people is you don't focus on their 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 their, their negatives or you don't focus on the things yeah, that they don't exactly have. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so yes. when I talk yes. the water conversation, well, what do you drink? 
Well, I drink nine cold drinks a day. Whoa, how many ounces of water in a cold drink? Whoa, so actually you're on your way. Now, if we can figure out a way to get all that other stuff out and it's just water, well, what flavor? And then you walk them back up. What is it you like about Oh, you like the effervescent? You ever tried sparkling water? Mm, but I like the flavor. Oh, well, let's, let's try to put some flavor in the sparkling water so we get all the other stuff out. Let's get some actual lemon juice. You like lemons? Yeah. We'll get some club soda or some more, and we'll put enough in it to where you can taste it. And then if you want to put a little sugar, you sugar it up as much as you like. So you walk them back up. So the next thing you know, you're realizing that I don't have the queen, but I have the most formidable army that I own. And it changes their perspective on things. I said that to say, even when you're talking with your homeless population, um, you tell them that, listen, you know the walking that you do, that you have to do, that counts towards exercise for your body. So you're doing, you're on the right path. We just got to figure out a way to deal with all this other stuff so you can do it when you need to, not when you have to. And it's, it, it's, 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 a, it's an art and it's a gift and it's well, painful sometimes to try to take that perspective because a lot of times people don't want to hear it. But when you see that light go off. Because right. you're giving them something positive yeah, you know you connect. that they're actually, actually doing it. All you can eat is uh, uh, two, cheese, two cheeseburgers special from wherever. Well, this is how many calories, and this is what's in it. Now, how can we fight it? What can we do to make that healthy for you? Right. You be my hero. You be my champion. But that's the whole point. When we're talking on a big systems level, they don't care about the individual people in those stories. They don't, they, not to say they don't care about your population of people, but when the decisions are made, they're not made with – the people that we interact with of course in mind and that's yeah. why i said it's people practicing practice and policy which is why we have to be in those third-party rooms when they're making policy we need to volunteer be on the board we need to be in those boardrooms our titles are the tickets for us to be in the room and our time with the people give us the credibility to have the voice yeah you're absolutely right that sense? yeah no, of, co- of course it makes yeah, sense yeah. Yeah. yeah so i mean so uh, at this point, you know, one, I mean, you do bring up a very good point. And, and one of the reasons why I'm able, I think I'm able to make these connections is that I do have the privilege of spending more time with my patients. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and by having that extra time that, that, you know, that I leveraged when I, when I started was being able to have some of these more difficult conversations, but it only happens like 20 minutes in, you know, yeah. like, and then I can start to really kind of get in there. But the, the stories that I hear are just, are, are tragic, you know, and so it is Hepatitis Awareness Month. We're wrapping up May, and I did speak to uh, Dr. Laura Cheevers yesterday mm-hmm. on uh, on the uh, Resistance Radio program, and she runs the Ryan White HRSA program. Mm-hmm. So uh, she usually appears on WHIV every once in a while, and wanted to come on yesterday to talk about hepatitis and and hepatitis C particularly, and the stories that I hear about hepatitis C and 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 the what we're seeing with hepatitis C particularly is it's just the opioid epidemic mm-hmm. is. Just just mm-hmm. is it, it, it's insane and when you said that that we're going to see a population for the first time ever a generation of people outlive yeah. their children that's what we're essentially seeing i mean this opioid epidemic that we have that people are dying in just incredible numbers from overdoses from opioids is bringing down the national so the, the, for our listeners to understand when we say opioids it's not a class of drugs that we're making up this we just saw in a test somewhere that's in who knows where just though there there's a no 
drug called opioid. No, we're talking about taking your tramadols. We're talking about taking your morphines, your oxycontins, your Percocets, your Perks, the Xanax, the Xanbars. Uh, what are the other names? The other well, ones? those are so those are some benzos that were in well, there. I'm, but well, no, but I'm, no, but I'm just saying no because they're I'm, combining them. Yes, they they're, are combining they're all, them. They're, they're combining right. them because they're downers. People are, they want to feel the down. The, the heroin is an opioid. Right. You know, in in the, in the population, fentanyl, people, fentanyl. But people don't even know what. Pe- I don't know people that say they go out and buy fentanyl. They don't. No, they they're just, know it's, they're it's added to, and right. it can kill you. These are drugs, all of these drugs. So when I rotated through anesthesia, these are drugs that can kill you. They can knock you all the way out. I used to tell people that there's a, there's, I can give you, and I'm sure I'm showing sure like cutting my pinky fingernail in half. I can give you this much of a drug and you won't be able to move a muscle in your body. I'm talking about the vecuroniums, the rocuroniums, the stuff that keeps you still while you're having surgery so you don't move. There are drugs out there that it doesn't take much and you can die. The the opioids, the problem with the opioids is they suppress your breathing. They can make your, they can go to your breathing center in your brain and turn it off. That, that's quite literally what they do. Literally, just turn it, <laughs> turn it off. So, oh, okay, she doesn't need to breathe anymore. We're good. Okay. That's right. Completely paralyzing. And it's not like TV where you can press rewind and start the the game over again or start the show over again. There is a a reversal agent. There's a Narcan. There is a reversal. No, but I meant that you can do yourself. Yes, you can't do this yourself. That you can do yourself. Yes, yes. And it really is. And we don't. Doc, let's talk this. You're in infectious disease. What does it take? For something, how serious does something have to be before you call it an epidemic? Let's just talk the world of ID and then bring it over to how bad this is. Well, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, so there is different terms as to what's an epidemic, what's a pandemic, or what have you. An epidemic is usually you have a baseline number, and uh, so let's say for measles, it should be like zero. <laughs> and then <laughs> anything, zero. anything above yeah. zero is considered an epidemic. And so uh, what we have seen is, is uh, this huge uptick of opioid use and then ultimately hepatitis C that's associated with it that started after 2008. And again, that goes around after the... After 2008? Yeah. The, wow. The, I didn't realize that. Yeah. The, at the point of the recession. And in fact, I, I've i got a couple wow. slides I'm going to show you as soon as we're done here. Kind of that We'll kind of go over a couple things that we've talked about. But what you see is that there was a national trend of decline of hepatitis C infection uh, until 2008. And then as a result of the uh, economic downturn that shift has gone back up again. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because people self-medicate. Yes. If you don't have a job... Uh, so here, here's a great example. So I lived on the Navajo Reservation for four, four years, right, after I did my payback. Or that was my payback, kind of the equivalent of the... That was the National Health Service Corps. Yep, yep. What was the TV show in the 80s that was the dude who moved up to Alaska? What... Um, he moved, He was a doctor that moved up to Alaska. Northern Exposure. Yeah, Northern I never Exposure. actually saw it, but I remember what it was about. Saw an episode or two. Yeah, yeah, so that was that was me basically. I went to this remote area to do medicine for four years, and the area I went to is the Navajo Reservation, um, and uh, the uh, the poverty. Like the lack mm-hmm. of electricity, mm-hmm. at least you know there there is the Indian health services, which so the healthcare was excellent, right? But the the immense poverty that was uh, that was uh, notable there. And the other thing too, when you drive, we drove, uh, we being I'm a first generation American, but the the Americans that preceded me uh, drove the native or indigenous peoples into these remote lands in the U.S. that were the most non usable, yeah. the least. Uh, 
uh, agrarian. I don't know if that's the right use of that word right there. Uh, and so what do you expect when you have populations of people living in areas that you, there's no jobs, Nothing. there's no transportation. Gasoline at one point was super expensive and it continues to be expensive. So to fill the trucks to go around, I mean, there's just nothing. So what, so what do you, what do we expect to happen is that you're going to start to see drugs because there's an element of self-medication, right? That's going to happen to fight off the depression, the loneliness, and the anxiety. Yep. And so do you know what population of people that has the highest rates of hepatitis C are indigenous peoples? Yep. And that should not be a surprise because of the use of opioids and the drug use that's being, that's, that, that is being done. And again, people hear that or listen to that and, and there is a, a, a tendency to point the finger at that, so in this case, the indigenous people, well, you know, they shouldn't be doing drugs and they shouldn't be doing this, that, or whatever. And again, I say, why is that the case? Why are we seeing more people that are indigenous having higher rates of hepatitis C? It's not because there's something unique to the native uh, individuals. It's because the system that put them in the situation that they exist in now makes it more likely for them to use drugs. Where's the highest population, concentrated population of hepatitis C? Uh, the Louisiana is one of them. And what 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 system? Uh, I think the VA system is. Are you getting to the VA system? No, I'm going to the prison system. Oh yeah, and the prison. You know what Doesn't it is? Doesn't get much poorer it's, than that. Hold on, dude. It's one in five. Yeah. When when they they haven't really done studies, but we're going to start seeing these studies, and this is all part of the amazing program that Doctor Gee is actually putting forth, who's the Louisiana Health Secretary, that goes into to play on July first, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and when we uh, we're going to be taking a hiatus through the month of June, we got one more yeah. show we're yep. going to do next week, and then the rest of uh, June, uh, Doc Griggs and I are taking a hiatus, and yep. we're going to be starting up on the second week of July. Yep. But at that point, the new uh, Hep C treatments that the state is going to have, there's going to be a hundred percent free medications, uh, unlimited for five years. Mm-hmm. We're going to have unlimited hepatitis C medication. So amazing. anybody with hepatitis C. So the, the, the first groups of people that we're looking to treat are those people in the carceral, in the carceral system yep. and then in the Medicaid system. So anybody who's on Medicaid, uh, who can hear this, uh, please uh, contact your provider. Say it again. Yeah, anybody on That's Medicaid. Huge. Yeah, anybody on Medicaid. So the, the, the state of Louisiana has purchased unlimited mm-hmm. medications for five years to treat hepatitis C. The name of the drug is called Eplusa. It's an excellent drug. It's a 12-week treatment. It, it covers all the different types of, of uh, hepatitis C genotypes. And this is a treatment that otherwise costs $80,000. The, the Legitimately $80,000. Right. Seriously. And the state has cut a deal with a subsidiary of Gilead. Uh, pharmaceuticals in which they're going to be making a generic version of Eplusa and we're going to now be able to cure hepatitis C in an unprecedented manner and so uh, now that you know this is a good problem to have if you think about it but now the problem is before we just didn't have enough drug <laughs> now we have more drug than we can handle now we just need to start getting people, get people out yep we That's need to start pushing people so, through yeah we need to start doing through the, the system and the whole nine. so and, we'll do a big n- next week I guess we'll We'll push, yeah. And the other thing, too, that's really important, too, that we really need to consider um, that uh, is is strongly uh, important is the point that you were. Dude. I don't, dude. I don't know why they like you, man. You've got sweet blood or something. (laughs) The. <laughs> Doc Griggs is being uh Doc, Doc Griggs is like who's the character in, in Peanuts that yeah, when <laughs> um, is it Linus? No, no, no not Linus. Pigpen. Pigpen. Yeah. 
Griggs and I date ourselves when we come on air and our references. Right. Uh, Liana listens. She's like, you know, you guys talk about things that were relevant in 1973. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know. <laughs> now you know. Your history lesson for the day. Thank you very much. Pigpen. Anyway, that was the re- that was the best reference I could come to. <laughs> anyway, um, the uh, it, it's 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 exciting. But the point that I'm starting to make here a second ago was following up on what Griggs was saying, and that is that we're going to be starting in the penal system or the the carceral system, and that's really important as well because folks are going to be able to leave. Hopefully, 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 they're going to be able to leave the carceral system, and and Hep C will not be one of the things that will be bringing them down. So the reason that I brought that up is because you were making references to the the resources um, and poverty. Um, for all practical purposes, that's one of the most impoverished yeah. populations that, population that you can be in is in that system. So you see it there, then you see it in indigenous people, then you see it out into the populations in the community that are, are from the lower they, they're, they're, refer, they're referred to as subpopulations is how... Oh, so, I hate that term. No, 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 I know, I know. I, I actually didn't think about it until I just said it. Yeah. But it's... And I, and that's fair enough. I never thought about it until the context that I just saw it through your eyes. Yeah. But it, they're referred to as subpopulations. And I think maybe micropopulations well, is micro probably... Is probably a better term. Is a better yeah, term. But, but yeah. the, the technical term in hep C world is subpopulations. But the point is, is that these micropopulations that Doc Griggs is talking about is that the you know, we're talking about targeting specific populations, mm-hmm. these so-called micropopulations. So, like IV drug users, uh, commercial sex workers, uh, uh, people who show up at needle exchange clinics, yep. uh, 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 folks that are have been released from the carceral system, uh, finding folks like that. So, these are these so-called micropopulations, uh, and that that's what we're going to actually be targeting uh, up front. And and of course, uh, I'm a Medicaid provider, so I of course will be treating it, 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 the. You don't even need to be on. You, you could be uninsured and get complete treatment with this. So this is really a remarkable system that the state is really kind of putting people uh, so through. The big thing that needs to go along with this, and it needs to actually precede it in some senses, is awareness of hepatitis C. Um, let me just tell you, from from a medical student perspective, learning the differences between the hepatitis A, B, C, well, D, F. I tell, I, I, tell, I tell the joke, hold on. So Griggs is telling a funny, all right, so this is, so Griggs and I went to medical school at the same time, so he'll appreciate this. When when Griggs and I went to medical school, uh, we obviously went to separate medical schools, we didn't know each other then, right. but when Griggs and I went to medical school, there was hep A, there was hep B, then there was non-A, non A, non B hepatitis, and even though I was going to go into infectious diseases, and I was pretty smart when it came to infectious diseases, I was always like... No, Why don't we just call it hepatitis C? C right, right. Right. What, this is non A. Right, this is hep A. This is hep B. This is non A, non B hepatitis. We're like, did they like you? Did you? I need a non fly microphone. Hang on. I gotta, uh, I got I to pull something out. Griggs is being. Uh, they love you, dude. I don't oh, know what to say. We always knew that that Griggs was very popular. Uh, no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so they. It was a ridiculous name for. Uh, uh, not A, not B. <laughs> hang on. Here, here, give me this. Give me no, this. No, it is thing. not. Yeah, hang on. Uh, you're gonna appreciate this. Dude. This is. Uh, 
This is specifically uh, for Griggs. I play this uh, because I love you. And uh, <laughs> see, how do I know? So I always know this is going to be bad. <laughs> no, it's not going to be Here bad. Here we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you do the dance. This is when Griggs is around. This is what we've got. <laughs> Predatory insects. Pig pen. <laughs> Predatory insects in this place. <laughs> All right. Uh, every time you come on air, I'm going to be doing. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, what were we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> oh, not a, say I was not a non B. Non fly, non insect. Um, so, so non A, non B. So, yeah. So, back when we were in med school, if they weren't, they didn't call it hepatitis C. See, we were like, damn it. Right. It, what is this? What is call it hepatitis C? Okay, so, we know it is not. <laughs> right. It's non A, non B. Damn it. Just call it hepatitis C already. Yeah. So they did. And so, you know, the interesting thing was that the, it was so prevalent, but nobody knew about it. It was in the bloodstream. Yep. And this is why baby boomers need to be um, screened at least once in their lifetime. Define baby boomer. Uh, it's 1945 to 1965. Yeah, so that makes parents, that. Luckily, yeah. No old joke. No. No, 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 no. Doc Griggs and I are both Gen Xers. Uh, yeah, we, we are, are. early Gen <laughs> Early, 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 early. Like, we're, in the, we we're, are, we're on the G yeah, part we of the are, gen. <laughs> We just made it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We got in <laughs> yeah. and the getting was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um anyway, so <laughs> God don't make me lose my train. So we're talking about Hep C in the gen- uh it's right. baby, boomers. Right. baby boomers are are nineteen forty five to nineteen so if you were born between nineteen forty five to nineteen sixty five, please go to your physician. Get tested for Hep C. You only need to get tested once. If you're an active IV drug user, of course we need you to get tested more How do often. You know if you might have it, are there signs and symptoms? About There's it? no signs or symptoms. They're very, very difficult to get. They're, I mean, they're the standard, you know, abdominal bloating or sometimes some fluid. If you're in liver failure, you'll know because you're going to be going to the hospital. Yeah, so you'll yeah, be acutely you ill. Yeah. But it's it sits. It's you know, at the beginning of the episode, Doc Riggs was talking about hypertension being the silent killer. Hep C is also a silent killer as well. In fact, it's a massive silent killer. Not quite it, to the same extreme that hypertension does, but it's in terms of infectious diseases, it's one of the most profound and this is again the first time we have a cure for a uh, a virus so it's really the cure is very easy it's just a matter of uh, of 12 weeks on a medication it's one pill once a day there's hardly any side effects whatsoever you can take this medication with your other meds as well uh, and not have any uh, adverse effects the medication is being provided free for this from the state starting we're the only when? starting July 1st we're the only state in the country that does this Think about that. The only state from the country, um, uh, so it's it's really it's really remarkable. Yeah. Question. No, I just got. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, pick yeah, it up? Yeah. No, no. So this this is the type of thing when I say we need to have awareness, we let, need to let people know what hepatitis C is, who should be looking out for it, and the fact that you can go to your doctor, be diagnosed, and be be treated. Uh, again, hepatitis the. What's the, t- the hepatitis? The hepatitis. The hep- hepatitis. Hepatitis. Yeah, the hepatitis. Yeah, they can lead to uh, uh-huh. lead to liver failure. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole that that, that and that's what makes hepatitis so uh, so dangerous is that, and of course, the hepatocellular carcinoma. And in fact, the number one reason why people get liver transplants are for hepatitis. Do you know what they're doing now? They're actually transplant. This is really cool. You'll hmm. appreciate this. So, so if let's say somebody were to pass, let's say an unexpected passing of yep. a heart attack or of a car accident, they can go through. You know, like please, everybody, put on your driver's license that you're an organ donor. Mm-hmm. Please, you will be able. It's just it's a remarkable opportunity to give somebody else uh, a, a chance at life. So if let's say somebody's an organ donor and uh, they go and in the past if they were Hep C positive they would not re- they would not transplant the liver. liver right. But what they're doing now is they're transplanting livers of Hep C positive people who are untreated, and then as soon as the liver is put into the to the host, the yeah. new host, uh-huh. um, they they start treatment and they're getting great outcomes with that. Wow! Yeah, isn't that cool? Wow! <laughs> I thought you would think that was cool. So they'll take a That's transplanted dope. liver yeah. that is not treated for yeah. Hep C. Yep. They put it into a new host, and, and then they immediately treat. Immediately treat, wow. and then they were getting great outcomes. I had a guy come in and see me, and uh, he had been treated for Hep C, and I didn't quite put the picture together. And then I was like, "You don't." Because I didn't look, I, I usually <laughs> talk to them first, and then I look at their chart. Right? Right? I don't look at the chart first. I want to. I, I like to get my impression from them first. I'm like, wait a second. Did you get a transplanted liver? I mean, that's the only the way that he set it up. The only thing that made sense was they he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, it's on my chart. I'm like, well, I, have, I haven't looked at your chart. Okay. And then I go look over and I see transplant. <laughs> so, so real quick, the, the, and, and the, tell them the reason that you do that. I think that's amazing. That's brilliant, and that's that. That's exactly the way that. But I rarely ever. Yeah, yeah, I rarely ever walk into a. I never. I uh, listen. This is just a matter of style. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong in how you right, do right, this. Right, Every right, doctor is different. Right. Just like any person who plays the piano plays the piano different than anybody else, right? right? So I, uh, when I walk into a patient, I, I rarely ever look at their chart. Uh, whether they're new or old, whether I never look at the results beforehand. I do everything kind of right there on the spot. Old school medicine, yes. Right. I never look at the chart beforehand because I don't want the chart to uh, persuade me or bias me in any way. Because, you know, I've said this a million times. If you sit down and just shut up and listen to your patient, they'll tell you the diagnosis. It's, and the, and it's the treatment. There. It's, it's there, right? Just shut up. Yeah. Don't interrupt your patient. There's some crazy statistic that says something like, now I've got the hiccups. Griggs has got the (laughs) – now I'm holding back hiccups. If you just shut up and let patients talk, there's something like doctors interrupt patients 25 seconds into their – now I understand why they do it because – Because of that 12 minutes. It's they're in a rush. And then that really speaks to the agenda. Whose agenda are we serving? And this this is an interesting perspective that I've seen in like the opinion pages of the New England Journal and some of the other opinion uh, medical uh, pages, which is – when we sit down, uh, oftentimes we have our own agenda for the patient, and the patient has their own agenda for the visit. Yeah. And it's really hard to kind of tease out, yeah. So I always make sure that I hear what the agenda is, and then I will make a point of addressing those elements of the agenda by the end. And then in the meanwhile, I'm just sneaking in my own personal agenda, right. Right. which is I got to make sure the viral load is undetectable. I got to make sure the T cell counts are high. I got to make sure they understand U equals U. Like I have a whole bunch of internal agenda items that I need for them that, that statistics show that people living with HIV do better with, with this information. Things. Right. But, 
I always sit down and listen and hear, and then I will always repeat back through the course of my my uh, my um, uh, visit with them the things that they said they was said. important, so that it's basic bottom line, just human respect, and and anyway, so we have you're, you're, we have two real, minutes left. Real, real quick, you know, as I was sitting here thinking, listening to you talk, you know. When something's wrong with your car, right? You take it to the mechanic, and you get it back when it's fixed. There's right. no twelve minute. You don't. Well, what I'm saying, ideally, right. right? But you don't. So you have my car for twelve minutes, and I should get it back and it runs, and it'll be fine. It never happens. You take your car. Something's wrong. There's making a tick. Well, do you know what it is? Nope. Just leave it with us, and I'll call you with. And it might be today. It might be tomorrow. We t- take better care and more time diagnosing and treating our cars than we do our bodies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And how about all the pets? Like the crazy oh, like insurance. Start. I got a pet. I have a pet. Yeah, you see. I get it. No, let's go. Let's just go. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, we have. No, that's another show. Let it go. Let oh, go. I was going to bring. I, I was going to think about. The, I was going to bring Anne, uh, who runs the executive director for the LASPCA. Do you, you want cool. me to have her on? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if she wants to come on. Cool. Uh, we have a minute left. Anything to announce? How's the, the, the foundation going? foundation's and- going well. The students graduated. So we are kind of in kind of like student, let them post the post-ictal. It's not post-ictal, but post-graduation right, mode. Right, let them right. kind of uh, so we're, chill out. Yeah, we're, and we're knocking out a bunch of the, uh, the kinks. So we'll be, they're doing well, though. It's doing good. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, this is the get check, the get this is the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving. <laughs> this is the most difficult named show oh, well. in the history of named shows. And you know what? And that's how you establish a brand. You <laughs> say it until it's easy. Get Check, Get, get fit, fit, Get, get moving, moving, Get Vaccinated, Get, get Your Hands yeah, Washed, wash your your <laughs> yeah. Condoms. Get Your Shots, yeah, Put Your <laughs> Shoes On, Wash Behind Your Ears, and Shave. Uh, that's yes. right. With yeah. Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry, thank you so much. And we are off. Thank you.